Thanks for tuning in to the Sojourn Church Podcast. We are a church committed to the gospel in the context of family, living on mission to the city of Portland and our world. For more information, visit our website, sojournpdx.org. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. I think I'm doing all right. Yeah, Matt said we got in late. Um, that's okay. So, if, Matt, if I get Pentecostal, then you'll know the reason. That's the, that's the reason. Uh, I am Mark. Um, just to let you know a little bit about myself, um, I live in Statesville, North Carolina, with my wife and six kids and one dog and four chickens right now. Um, probably some other things I don't know about that live in my house. That's okay. Uh, we have five boys and one girl, uh, so it's a lot of fun. Um, and like Matt said, I'm a little bit older than him. And as I get older, here's the confession. I'm going to give us all time to confess some things today, but as I get older, I feel like I'm just turning to like a grumpy old man. Um, anybody ever, anybody, I mean, not that you're turning into grumpy old men, but as we get older, I just feel like there's more things to complain about. Maybe I'm just a little bit more set in my ways and just like things the way I do. And so um, in a survey I read, you know, some years ago, maybe a year ago, um, it said that the average person complains about three times a day. I don't know. I mean, some of us are more than that. I'm probably more than that. Um, and then less than 50% of the survey said that they could probably go a whole day without complaining. Anybody in here think they could go a whole day without complaining about something? I don't know. It'd be very difficult. Um, so what I want to do is as we begin our time together, I'm going to give us some time to confess. I think confession is good for the soul. So I want us to take a few minutes. Uh, what, I, what we do sometimes with my boys or you know, with just the youth, I like to do like top five, top five favorite movies, top five um, favorite comic books, top five favorite books, things like that. Um, so what I want us to do is take a couple minutes and do top five things that you complain about. Okay. So turn to your neighbor. This might be a little bit different, but just talk about the thing just to get them out in the open, expose them from maybe they're lying deep within your heart. <laughs> talk to somebody beside you. What's the top five things that you complain about? You got a couple minutes. All right, was that was that easy or difficult for, for y'all? Okay, some of us easier than others to get to five. Sometimes it's, it might take a little bit more. Um, it's, it was, it's easy for me to, to do that. Here are the top 10 things that were in that survey. Um, you guys might have some of the same. Some of these might be different, but one of them is bad customer service. Uh, two is telemarketers or robocalls. I've started not complaining about robocalls. I just try to talk to them. They don't talk very long. When they're uh, three is people who cut in line. Four, feeling cold. Uh, somebody agreed to that. Five, packages or letters that don't show up on time. When it's promised, it doesn't come. Traffic. Uh, trouble connecting to Wi-Fi, litter, and people who litter, uh, the weather, that's what I complain about, uh, and then number 10 was feeling too hot, so feeling too hot, feeling too cold, we always complain about temperature, a few more that just missed the top 10 are loud neighbors, uh, people that are late, people that show up late, no parking spaces, if you go to a place there's no parking spaces, uh, people who stare at their phones all the time, Spam emails, uh, bad phone signal, and then feeling hungry. One of the ones that I had last night was hidden fees at rental car places. Um, that was what I was about to 
I was trying to hold it together. Uh, I don't know, the list can go on and on. Like your, yours might go on and on. You probably had some different than, than me. I know mine goes on um, for a very long time. And I heard some laughing. A lot of times, it's so true. We talk about things we complain about. And then as we complain, some of us might even like to complain. And that's not a good place. We're very good at grumbling. We're very good at arguing. But what do we do when the Word of God tells us to not do that? What do we do when the Word of God starts out to do everything without grumbling or arguing? Um, it's a command from the Scriptures. And it's, a, it's sometimes something that we might laugh off, right? I love to just complain about people that call my house all the time. And hang, like, what are you, why are you calling me um, to check on my car's warranty or see if I want to sell my house? Those seem to be two big ones. Um, this is exactly what the Word of God tells us, what Paul tells the Philippian church in the passage we're going to be in today, Philippians 2, uh, 12 to 18. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to look it up on the phone, um, this is coming from NIV if you're looking it up on your phone, or if you want to go grab a Bible, I think there's some at the connect table, Matt said. Um, you can turn over to Philippians 2, 12 to 13. Uh, we're going to focus more on 14 to 18, but I do want to read 12 and 13 just to kind of get us into where the passage is going today. And so uh, in Philippians 2, 12 to 13, this is how Paul starts out this passage. He says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So as we begin the passage we're going to talk about today, Paul, Paul begins talking about salvation. This means being saved by God from your sins, being saved into this new family um, of God, into this kingdom, uh, into this new life where Jesus is now the leader of your life. Where you proclaim, the Bible says, confess Jesus as Lord, that he's the Lord of your life. Um, and then notice this subtlety here. A lot of times we, there may be other, other denominations, other religions that talk about working for your salvation, right? You do this um, or you work hard to, to be saved. That's not what Paul's talking about here. It's a little subtlety. He says, work out your salvation. So he's talking to people who have already been saved who have already confessed Jesus as the leader, leader of their life, has, have already confessed Jesus as the Lord, and now he's telling them to let that salvation work that happens on the inside to work itself out to be seen in our lives. Because that's what we're called to. We're not just called to, to be people who say, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ, and now um, I get out of hell. I don't go to hell. We're called to be people who live a life that's different um, from the rest of the world, who live a life that is led by Jesus Christ, that we walk the way that he walks. Um, and so this salvation, that, this free gift that, that Paul talks about, um, begins with us confessing him as the, as the Lord and then following him as the leader of our life. Okay, And so as we believe in Jesus, and what it means to believe in Jesus is that we confess him as Lord, that we say, Jesus, we believe that you are the Son of God, that you lived a perfect life, that you died on the cross, that you rose again. Uh, we put our trust in that, uh, and then we believe that you, when we put our trust in that, you call us to be a part of your family. And then the Bible tells us, tells us basically some house rules, like 
when we have some house rules growing up at our house, like this is how you act, this is how you, um, as a Collins boy or girl, like these are some things that we expect, and that's a lot of what the Bible is. As a new family of God, this is how you should act, okay? And so these are some of those house rules. As we work out our salvation, what has happened on the inside, um, how God has changed our life, it begins to work itself out in the things that we say, the things that we do, and how we live, and things like that. Um, and I just want to be clear, salvation from the beginning to the end is through the grace of God. So there's nothing that we can do uh, to, to save ourselves. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 talks about this grace. I'll just turn over there and read it, because I think it's a good verse. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Right? So when we put our trust in Jesus as the Lord of our life, it's God's grace that allows us to do that. Now the second thing that grace does, not only does it save us from our sins or save us to the family of God, but it allows us to say no to ungodliness. And that's what Paul talks about in Titus. So this is another verse about grace. This is Titus 2, 11 and 12. He says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. This grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. So a lot of times we think about grace that saves us to become Christians, but it's also grace in our lives that allows us to walk as Christians, to be more like Jesus. And so that's what I want us to keep in mind as we talk about these things, these commands of not grumbling or holding fast to the word of life or rejoicing, that it can only happen by God's grace in our lives. Um, and so that's the context for these next verses, that Paul is telling us to work out our salvation. And here are three things that Paul says are, are outward expressions of salvation um, that we need to work out in our lives. So let's continue uh, with Philippians 2, 14 to 18. He says, do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you'll shine among them like stars in the skies as you hold firmly to the word of life. Then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. All right, there's many ways here. There's, there's, there's several ways as we walk the Christian life of working out your salvation, of becoming more like Jesus. But here in this passage, I think there's three things. And I think these are some, these are very small things. They seem very small. A lot of times we think about, you know, becoming Christians or maybe sharing the gospel and somebody getting saved because we shared the gospel with them. But these are very, I think, small things that we can do every day that can make a huge difference in, in our lives and the people, people's lives around us. Um, so first, he tells them, do everything without grumbling or arguing. The second thing he tells them is to hold fast to the word of life. And the third, he tells them to be glad and rejoice. So three things. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Hold fast to the word of life. And then be glad and rejoice. And I think as we make our way through these three things, we'll see how they can make a huge difference 
um, in our life and in others' lives. So the first practical way that Paul tells the Philippians to work out their salvation is by not grumbling. Paul, I, Paul is absolutely right here. I think for me, it is a lot of work to not grumble. It takes a lot of energy to hold my tongue or to bite. Or, and not even, maybe not even grumble out loud. Grumbling doesn't even happen when we're complaining out loud. It's just, I think these are just one of those fun words that kind of sounds like what it is. You know, you just grumble, grumble. <laughs> just sounds like grumbling. I'm just complaining. I'm just all the time in a bad mood. Um, it takes putting ourselves, like, second, putting Christ first, putting others first for us to not grumble. Um, but I think in the end, when we, we get there, Paul will say this, is that one of the ways that we stand out, we shine like stars, is by not grumbling. So think about it. In those instances of complaint that you have, maybe those five, maybe maybe you got to three, maybe you got to more, um, what... What do we usually? What usually causes us to grumble or argue? What is it? When we don't get our way, exactly right, Paul. Thanks. So when, when, when something, it's something that in those situations where I'm uncomfortable, in those situations where I didn't get my way, right? Think back to the list. If too hot, it's because I'm too hot. If it's too cold, it's because I'm too cold. If it's gas prices, because I can't afford to put that much gas in my car to get to where I'm going. Um, or it's because you interrupted my dinner with your robocall. Or it's like, where is my package? Why can't I get on Wi-Fi? Why is there such bad service for me? It's because we're very selfish, okay? Um, we, like, at the center of all the complaints usually is, how am I affected by this? And so, as we think about that... Um, one of the good ways to maybe start not grumbling is to put other people first, right? If you think, like, it's too hot in here, maybe it's the perfect temperature for somebody else, right? If it's too cold, maybe it's the perfect temperature uh, for somebody else. If a telemarketer calls your house um, and you just get upset, maybe it's because that's the only job they could find right now. Maybe that's the only thing... For their circumstances, if the Wi-Fi is bad at, at your restaurant or an apartment where you are, maybe the people that own that decided to put money elsewhere instead of good Wi-Fi signal. Um, if the line is too long, right? Maybe maybe the person in front of you needed somebody a little extra help. Um, so if we can start flipping those things that we think about um, to where we're actually not thinking about ourselves, but thinking of others first. I think that's the way that we start to we start to stop grumbling. We start to stop complaining. Um, a little bit earlier in this book of Philippians, Paul is really talking to them hard about promoting unity, right? And one of the biggest ways that we can promote disunity is grumbling, is complaining, um, is stirring. Because what happens when we complain? We stir up strife. You know something happens in here and one of we complain to Matt about how cold or hot this room is or maybe we need a different space. It's like Matt just feels like, well, what am I, you know, it, it causes strife. Um, but when you stop grumbling and stop arguing, you begin to build that unity back, I think. It shows that we're becoming sanctified and that just means we're becoming more like who Jesus is. Uh, 
I'm a youth pastor, and when we go on trips, we talked about this earlier, I almost forgot, but we take two words with us. The first word is respect. So we just want to, we want to respect people, property, uh, we want to leave a good um, name for Christ's sake, for Western Avenue's sake. As we go to kids camp, we want to leave a good name for Sojourn uh, Church. But the second word is what, guys? Flexibility. Flexibility. Because when you travel anywhere with a big group or anywhere with any kind of group of people, what happens? Something always happens a, a different than what you thought it would happen, right? And in those instances, we, our normal default mechanism is what? Grumble, complain. Um, so we try to, try to be flexible, right? When something comes up, we try to bend but not break, right? We need to, to shift. And I think that's a good way to be in our life. When you start to see inconveniences in your life um, as a way for me to grow and to be sanctified, um, then I think it helps us to be more like Jesus. It helps those things that come up to be easier to take. Uh, one of the things I always like to think about is, I, I really hate to wait in line. Yesterday we were in the airport, and there was a lot of lines in a lot of restaurants. Right? So I'm usually kind of, in order to help me not complain, just go to the one that doesn't have a line. So I ate a bagel like last night because nobody was in, in line. Um, but one of the things I like to talk about is, you know, if... If it is for me, this is totally for me, and you know, hopefully it's helpful to you. If it, it, there's no waiting, no more like waiting. I just call them opportunities for sanctification. It's an opportunity for me to become more like Jesus. If I have to wait in line, if I have to wait on somebody, wait on my kids, like I just have to go sit in the car and just become more like Jesus instead of fussing or yelling. Um, so Paul says, when you stop grumbling, stop arguing, you will stand out. This is one of the ways that you will start to stick out. I don't know if you've ever met somebody or known somebody, and you're just like, man, that person never like, gets down about anything. They always have a good attitude, no matter what is happening. Um, they don't stir up division. Paul says this is one way that nobody will be able to point a finger at you and say, look at you. Like, look what you did. Look how those Christians treat other, each other. We thought you were supposed to be loving. We thought you were supposed to be caring. Right? You guys are always complaining about things and complaining about each other. Um, when we start to care for other people, when we start to put others first, we start to walk in humility. I think it shows the world like something different. And that's what Paul says. Um, he says, you will shine like stars. Um, you will, you will, you will, um, no one, you will be, at, you will be without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. Um, the culture is just, I mean, we can walk around the whole, the whole United States, the whole world, like our cultures, different cultures, it's just crooked and, and twisted and um, messed up, sinful, it's crazy, it's confusing, it can be enticing at times. Um, and I don't know about most of you in this room, but I don't really like to stand out a whole lot. I kind of just like to blend out, blend, blend out, sorry to mix up my words, but... I like to blend in, um, but Paul says one of the ways that you stand out is when you stop grumbling, stop complaining, um, and you'll stand out, you'll be different uh, than the rest of the world. And as we think about this, we're gonna, I'm going to challenge you later on today as you leave, um, but remember this, this is working. Paul calls it work. It's work to not complain. It's work to not grumble, but it's God working in you. It has to be His grace working in you. Like, we can't just walk out of here and just automatically, like, 
happen. I just stumble upon not grumbling. It takes effort. It takes work. And it takes the grace of God. Um, it takes the grace of God to say no to that ungodliness. So the first thing he says to work out your salvation, to become more like Jesus, is to do everything without grumbling or arguing. Whatever part of life that is. Um, and that can seem a little bit hopeless. Like how can I ever stop complaining about um, the temperature? Um, or... Um, things like that. But we're not left without hope. Paul goes on to say that you'll shine like stars. Pick up in the middle of verse 15. It says, you will be, well, sorry, you'll be children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. As you hold out the word of life, or as you hold firmly to the word of life, another translation says. So the only hope that we have in becoming more like Christ, in, the, in stopping grumbling, stop arguing, getting rid of any kind of sin in our life, is holding fast to, the, to his word, to the word of life. And I love that imagery, the word of life, um, that... The Bible is not just a book of stories. The Bible is not just a book of instruction. It's not just a book of wise sayings or good ideas for us to live by. But the Bible is life. The Bible is... Um, basically, without the Bible in your life, you will die. You shrivel up, die, become a shell of yourself. And so the Bible is life. The words, the stories, the instruction that is found in those pages, it does give us life. I think they change our hearts. I think they, you know, the, the Word of God convicts. The Word of God draws us closer to be Jesus, they to be like Jesus. Um, they change our character. There's a story in Genesis. It's at the beginning of the Bible. It's a story about a guy named Jacob. And um, Jacob is one of, one of the people I love. I love his story in the Bible. But he's lived kind of a crazy life, has run away from God. Um, is now coming back um, to meet his brother who he betrayed and um, he spends the night by himself by this brook and he begins to wrestle with God there. It's this story of Jacob wrestling with God. Um, but I love the tenacity that Jacob has in this story. He, the Bible says that he wrestled with God all night um, and God basically knocks his hip out of socket um, and I can't imagine the pain of that. But as he's searing in pain, he is not letting go of God. And he, he says these words. He says, I will not let go of you until you bless me. And so here he is in this pain. Um, he's injured badly, but he won't let go of God. He wants God's blessing so bad that he's going to hold on to it with everything in him. And... I think about that, and I think about how I should hold on to God and to, to the Word, and I mean, I have a lot of Bibles. I have, a, you know, but most days, if I'm honest, it stays in my book bag, or it stays on my desk, or it stays in, and um, I have this Word of Life at home on my table, and I just kind of disregard it, walk by it, um, or like, man, I don't have time to read that today, I don't have time to hold on to that. Um, that's almost like us dying of thirst and just setting a cup of water out on our table and just walking by it all the time. We have this word. Um, and so my prayer for you and my prayer for, for me, really, um, is that whatever circumstances happening in my life, if it's pain, if it's um, struggle, 
that I need to hold on to this word with the same tenacity that Jacob had. Jacob's hip was out of sight. I don't know what, what struggles you have or what's happening in your home or your life, but this is the word of life. Um, I want you to keep going to this. Keep being fed by this. Don't let go of this. Um, and Paul says when you hold firmly to the word of life, you're changed. You begin to stand out. He used the imagery of you shine like stars amidst the black sky. I don't know how, how are the stars in Portland when you go out. Probably pretty, you got to probably get out. Get out of the city. You get out of the city, you can see a lot of stars, right? They start to stand out. That's the imagery that, Bible, that the Bible uses, that Paul uses um, for us. As we hold firmly to the word of life, that word gets in us and changes us. Uh, Exodus 34 talks about a guy named Moses who was face-to-face with God. And after spending time face-to-face with God, he came down from the mountain and his face was actually shining. Um, Acts <clears throat> tells us about when the disciples of Jesus were arrested and the people that charged them, they were in front of the, the ruling council. They saw their courage and the boldness and they were amazed at these ordinary men and they took note that they had been with Jesus. So spending time with God, spending time with Jesus makes us stand out. That's what Paul's saying. So when you hold firmly to the word of life, you start to reflect God's character. And that's so different than the character that we see within the world. Um, you'll walk like him. You'll talk like him. You'll live like him. You'll love like him. You'll act like him. And I think this command and what Paul is saying is not just hold on to it for ourselves, but hold it out for other people to take. Right? If somebody else is dying of thirst and you have a glass of water, what, what should we do? Give it to them. Right? So I want to hold this out for others to see. Um, so when we hold firmly the word of life, Hold it out for others also. Um, Paul says, these are the two things we've already seen, right? When your salvation is working itself from the outs- from inside out, you're going to do everything without grumbling or arguing. You're holding firmly to the word of life, shining like stars and against the black sky. And the last way we see our salvation working out here, there's many other ways, but these are just three ways. Um, I think three simple ways is that we rejoice and are glad when other people are working out their salvation. Right? We're celebrating what God is doing in someone else's life. Um, let's keep going in verse 16. He says, starting verse 16, As you hold out the word of life, you'll shine like stars in the universe, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. So Paul says that he wants the Philippians to not grumble, to hold firmly to the word of life, because he wants it to be so that when he comes to visit them, Paul was traveling around and he would come visit each church that he had planted He wants to come visit them so that he can rejoice and boast with them in what God is doing in their lives. Right? All the... Right? Because he started this church, a lot of heartache, maybe sacrifice went into starting this church um, into Philippi, and he wants to say, you know, this was worth it. It was worth it for me to give all of this. He doesn't want all of that work to go to waste, uh, to be in vain, but he wants to rejoice alongside of them. And he says, even if I am poured out like a drink offering, 
It's kind of interesting imagery, and it comes from the Old Testament. Um, a drink offering was this. Uh, they would make an animal sacrifice and burn it on the altar. And then they would take a drink, probably wine, and pour it onto the animal sacrifice. And so if you've been around campfires um, or little boys who are around campfires, they like to pour things on campfires because what happens when you pour water or liquid on something that's burning? It, it like sizzles, right? It makes smoke and vapor and it goes up. And this was the offering that, that would be made. It wasn't like the main offering. It was like an icing on the cake kind of offering, like an extra offering that would be pleasing to the Lord. Um, and Paul uses this imagery a couple times in his life. Um, he's a guy that gave pretty much all of his life to starting churches. He started out by persecuting the church and then he gave the rest of his life um, to planning churches and encouraging churches. And he uses the imagery with Timothy, who was one of his um, followers, one of the pastors in the church at Ephesus. Um, he talks about the end of his life being poured out like a drink offering. And so the drink offering was that. It was also the imagery of what happens if you have a, a glass of water or a Coke or whatever and you pour it out on the ground, is that you can't get it back. Right? You can't get that offering like that is a complete emptying which is the same imagery that he uses earlier in philippians of jesus emptying himself um, but he's saying i gave it all away right i gave all of myself away so that you could you could start walking like jesus so that you can know who jesus was and now i want to come back and just rejoice at what he's doing in your life um, so that me giving all of this away wasn't just in vain I want to be able to rejoice. And so, <clears throat> I think, like, Paul is saying that he is rejoicing at their service. Now he's seeing them. He's coming back to visit this church in Philippi. And he's like, I want to rejoice at what God is doing in your life. Paul's rejoicing because of the progress that the believers at Philippi are making. He's seeing them um, not grumble. He's seeing them not complain. He's seeing them hold fast to the word of truth. Uh, he's seeing this come out in other people. And he says, I want to rejoice with you, but I want you to rejoice also. Um, and I started to read this and I think, man, how good are we doing um, at rejoicing when something good or somebody's making progress in their Christian life? How good am I at praising Jesus for someone who has stopped grumbling or someone who stopped cussing or someone who has... Um, made huge strides in becoming more like Jesus. Paul's truly joyful. You don't ever see Paul sit back and say, um, talk about himself. He is proclaiming and rejoicing because of what God is doing in Philippi. He doesn't ever say, you know, I, I started this church, right? Look at me, or I preached to the jailer, um, or I say, you know, cast a demon out of this little slave girl. This is all from Acts 16, if you want to go read the story of how the church in Philippi started. Uh, he never casts light on himself. He's always glad and rejoices at what the Philippians are doing. And so I think that's encouragement for us to start rejoicing uh, and being glad when God is working in other people's lives. That's hard. Because like Paul said earlier, we're very selfish. We want attention for ourselves. And so it's hard for us to rejoice when something good is happening or someone is growing. Um, so remember, we're not building our own kingdoms. We're building God's kingdom, so let's rejoice when um, other churches in Portland are, are growing. 
uh, where people are coming to Christ. Let's rejoice uh, when someone makes a Christ-like decision. Whereas before they were making many bad decisions that wasn't like Christ. Let's rejoice when people stop grumbling. Or rejoice when people don't react in anger. When they would eight times out of nine before. Uh, so remember this. This whole passage is in the context of working out salvation with fear and trembling. Because it's God at work within us. right, To fulfill His good purposes. So not grumbling and not arguing is to fulfill God's good purpose. Holding firmly to the word of life is to fulfill God's good purpose. Rejoicing and being glad is to fulfill God's purpose. Okay, So we see in this passage, here's kind of the final breakdown. Paul gives us something that we need to stop doing. He gives us something that, which is don't grumble or argue. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. There's something we need to start doing. I think that's being glad and rejoicing. Right? And then in the middle of those two is something that we have to always be doing. And I think that's the crux. What we're always to be doing is holding firmly to the word of life. So when we're holding firmly to the word of life, we can stop grumbling. We can stop arguing. We can start rejoicing. We can start being glad. Um, and so here are three things I want you to try this week. Three things from this passage just to take with you as we leave today. One, hold firmly to God's word this week. Read it, study it. If you've never tried to memorize some scripture, start memorizing scripture. David talks about hiding God's word in his heart so that he won't sin against God. Right? So that the Holy Spirit can recall that scripture. So that when we're you know, talking to our spouse or when we're having a conversation, maybe when they're bad customer service at, um, at a restaurant, right? we can recall this. Stop grumbling, stop arguing. Shine like a star to this person. Um, so that we can stand out. Whatever it takes for you in your life this week, I'm not going to tell you like, hey, you need to read the Bible every day this week, but like whatever it takes for you so that God's voice in your life is the loudest. There's a lot of voices in our lives that are telling us to do this, to do that, don't do this, don't do that, act like this, act like that. That Read the Bible as much, hold on to it with Jacob's tenacity so that his word is coming through loud and clear in every decision that you make. So one, hold firmly to the word of Christ. Two, take that top five list that you had. <laughs> Maybe write it down. Um, you've already confessed it to somebody so they can hold you accountable. Um, so when you're with them, like, hey, you said you complained about that a lot. You grumbled about that a lot. Keep it in your mind. Focus on it so that when you're faced with a scenario, um, like one of those things comes up, you can pray. Like, Lord, give me grace to not complain, to not argue. Walk with me in this. Um, and then three, how can you be glad and rejoice at others working out their salvation? Do something specific. Maybe somebody in the church um, has, a, has a victory. or like, hey, I was able to, to go through a whole day without complaining about it being too hot or too cold. Like, I think that's a small, that's a, that's a huge victory, right? And sometimes we don't even think about it. Or, um, but praise God for it. If somebody has, has shared Jesus with somebody else or somebody had a cup of coffee or met somebody on the street and invited them to church like rejoice with them that's awesome that is a that is something that we should praise God for in their life and tell them about it maybe write them a note maybe send them a, a letter or sit down or, or tell them face to face um, so be glad and rejoice with others who are working out their salvation however big or however small that is um, I think each one of these three things is modeling Christ's behavior 
That's what Paul tells the Philippian church. So we strive, we work with God's grace um, for his good purposes. And then if you're in this room today and you're like, I don't know Jesus. I, I don't really have any of that hope. I don't know the grace of God that has brought me to salvation. I don't know the grace of God that helps me to say no to sin, helps me to say no to grumbling, helps me to um, do those. If you don't know Jesus today, I want to encourage you to turn to him. This is what, what he says. Repent. Turn away from your sins. Turn to him. Follow him. Trust him as Lord. Confess him. Um, the Bible says um, that if you confess with your tongue, that confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It takes a simple just, Jesus, I want to make you Lord of my life. You admit that you're a sinner and you believe that Jesus is God's only son and then you confess him as your Lord. Say, I want you to be the leader of my life every day. Um, that's how you, the grace of God comes into your life to save you and then the grace of God works in your heart to work that salvation out into your life to make you more like Jesus. So if that's you today and you want to put your faith in Jesus, Matt and I'll be in the back. Um, talk to Matt. He's here week after week. Um, he can help you through that. But let's close our time together by going back and reading the verses that we've gone through. Paul says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you'll shine among them like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we love you. Thanks so much for today. Thank you that you give us grace to be saved. You give us grace to call us into your family, but you also give us grace every day to walk with you, to walk more like you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have grace, that you would give us grace in our lives um, to do everything without grumbling or arguing so that we can stand out in this warped and crooked, crooked generation, that we can hold firmly to the word of life so that we would shine like stars in the universe, that we would be glad and rejoice at the work that you're doing in other people's lives, in other churches' lives, as you grow your kingdom um, on this earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I pray that you would continue to bless Matt and Sojourn and, and the people that are gathered here. Lord, that they would shine like stars in the midst of this neighborhood. Um, that it would be attractive and that people would come and ask, why are you doing this? Why are you so nice? Why do you not complain? And we could say it's because Jesus has given us grace to be more like him. Lord, I pray that you would bless us now as we worship you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. You can connect with us and find more available teachings and resources at our website, sojournpdx.org.